Okay, hi everybody. Um, this is Taja. I am just on for a solo today. This is my first solo yet on the pod. Um, if you've been listening for a while, or if you've been listening recently, at least, I'm sure you've heard my voice in a number of episodes. I've been coming on the podcast for a while with Shannon, just kind of as support um, for her in the podcast, but we are beginning to move into more and more work together. We have actually an exciting announcement, which I'll get to at the end, and we'll go deeper in in the next podcast. But because of this, it felt like it was finally time to actually introduce myself here to you, to the podcast, and tell my story. Um, it's This is the first time I'm actually going to be telling my story on any platform or in any kind of public way. So that's pretty exciting. Um, feels pretty big for me, but as I continue to talk at you here in the pod, it felt important that I actually kind of tell you who I am and where I'm coming from. So you're not just like, who's this random girl talking at me and why should I care? Um, so I'm just here to tell my story, how I found myself to be here, where I am, um, my relationship with spirituality, with healing, basically just how I got here and what I'm bringing to the table. So yeah, that's, that's the goal on the podcast today. Thanks for being here with me. So I'm from Northern California. I'm here in the gold country, the foothills of the Sierra Nevadas. It's a beautiful place. Um, I just me- recently moved back, but this was where I grew up. It's a beautiful, really powerful, potent, magic place. Um, but my relationship with the mysteries and spirituality didn't always start that way for me. Um, I started out Mormon. Both of my parents were, were raised in the Mormon church their whole lives. And my sister and I were also raised in the church until I was about nine years old. And my family decided to leave the church. Um, it didn't feel true for my parents anymore. Um, and that was definitely a big shocker to me as a kid because I, I kind of loved it. I wouldn't say that I loved Mormonism. Like there was a lot of things that didn't actually feel that good to me. And, you know, I was a kid. I didn't like going to church. Mormon services can be long and boring, but I loved the Holy Ghost. Um, can also be known as some people call it the Holy Spirit. Um, it's basically like my understanding of it now is it's, it's the mysteries itself. It's, it's our own inner guidance. It feels like very much the divine feminine, um, aspect of spirituality, um, that many religions bring in. I loved that. I loved feeling like I had this presence within me and all around me that loved me, that cared for me and wanted to help keep me on the right path and doing the right thing. And, you know, we didn't call it intuition, but that's basically what the Holy Ghost was, right? Those feelings that you got, what was right and what was wrong. Um, because I was quite a sensitive, mystical little child. Um, so when our family left the church, I felt kind of rattled by that. I didn't know what to believe. We tried going to another church, but basically my family was, we were done with religion. Um, and so my mom and I took one path, which was, well, 
okay, so it's not Mormonism. We don't really think that any of the religions really have the full story, but we feel like there's something happening. Like we both feel and sense and know that there's more going on under the surface than just this physical, tangible reality that we can touch and feel, but we don't know what that is. And that's fine. And I was like, I guess that will just be what's true for me for the rest of my life. My father and my sister, however, they went down a different path and they started exploring paganism and Wiccanism and very like earth-based earth magic um, philosophies and teachings. And so I was exposed to a fair amount through them. I remember my father taught me how to use a pendulum. I thought that was so cool. And he taught me that I could feel energy, like feel energy physically with my hands. And I remember I would play this game where I could feel where people's auras were sitting. I would stand with my hands kind of around them and feel around. And I could feel almost like the edge of their auric field, of their energetic field. And I could be like, yeah, your aura is sitting right here, right now. And my sister got into tarot and she exposed me to tarot. So I was exposed to uh, some of the occult and to some energetic practices, but, and I thought they were extremely cool. You know, I've always, I've always had an affinity for um, the supernatural, you know, for, I always felt that the world was magic. I always felt that there were, beings around me that I couldn't see, you know, I was obsessed with things like fairies and brownies, not, not the, uh, not the treats, but, um, the little invisible beings who, who live in your house, much like fairies. I was always obsessed with those sorts of things. And, and I really, really felt drawn to them, but I wasn't very interested in it beyond that, uh, growing up. I was, much more preoccupied with school. I was an avid student with my social life, with dance. My sister and I were both dancers. And so that was just kind of it for me for a while. And I thought that that would be just kind of what it was for me. I knew organized religion wasn't speaking to me and I was like, how could anyone know the truth about anything, really? How could anyone have the full answer anyway? And I guess that spirituality and all of that just isn't going to be at the forefront of my life. I had different focuses. I I was an actor. I, I moved from being a dancer to becoming an actor. That's what I went to college for. Um, I was in an intensive acting program all of college. I'd always kept myself very busy and I was artistic and creative, but it was very like physical, real world. That's what took up all of my time and all of my attention. Um, but everything kind of started changing for me and for my family when when my brother began to die so i guess i'll i'll walk the cat back a little bit so after my father and my sister were really exploring paganism and wiccanism and those worlds they found a Native American circle here in my hometown, a medicine circle um, that they were able to get involved with and that I ended up getting involved with uh, later on as well. And I have so much respect for the time that I was able to spend with that medicine circle and, and everything that I learned and that my family learned through it all. I feel incredibly grateful for being able to be exposed um, to such 
ancient medicines, ancient spirits, ancient practices. Um, it really ended up making a difference in, in all of our lives. Um, but my family, they, my father and my sister were very involved in uh, Native American medicine and doing ceremonies and, and all of that. And my brother um, is a very, very, very special being, um, very, very, very powerful spirit. He came into this world well and healthy, um, but when he was only a few weeks old, he got a meningitis infection in his spinal cord, and it nearly killed him. I mean, it kind of did. They had to resuscitate him, but it was so, so powerful, and it was in his spinal cord, and it just went right up into his brain and killed a lot of his brain. So he was severely brain injured. My entire life, um, his entire life. He only got a few weeks there at the beginning. So he was extremely high needs. He was, I mean, nonverbal doesn't even cover it. I mean, he just didn't have the faculties for speech. He was legally blind. He couldn't make eye contact. He was sedentary. Um, very disabled, no fine motor skills. Um, he suffered from seizures and he had a feeding tube. And anyway, his life was just a very, 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 very different experience from the life that most of us live. And so my whole childhood was flavored with that. I always sort of had... Um, felt that I had a different life than my peers had. My home was extremely different. Um, my parents had to care for him a lot. He needed 24-hour supervision and care throughout the night and everything. So he didn't die out of some tragic accident or some tragic illness or a drug overdose or anything like that. He simply died because his body just ran down. I mean, we can't, we're made to move, to walk, to breathe, to be able to sleep through the night. We're not supposed to be on cocktails of prescription medications for survival, right? It was just a lot on his body. Um, and he began to just kind of run down. He lived for 20 years, which was amazing, amazing that he lived that long. Uh, his doctors did not think he would make it that long just because the nature of his body, the nature of his reality of his life was, was so difficult and so hard. Um, but my mother was a crazy superstar and she took such amazing care of him but it started to show um there at the end of college for me we we started seeing that he was running down and we knew that his time was going to come soon so at this point, my father was less involved with the medicine circle, but my sister was extremely involved. And this medicine circle, they had been working with a Lakota medicine man and his medicine circle and doing sun dances with him and big, big ceremonies with him. And this Lakota medicine man said that Aryan, that that's my brother's name, Aryan. My uh, Aryan's spirit was the one who connected him to my family so that he could be there to help us through the process of his passing. Um, and so he would come in and he would sit with us and sit with Aryan and he would sing with us and pray with us. And then my brother would talk to him and he would be able to relay messages to us. Uh, so for the first time in our lives, we were actually beginning to 
not necessarily communicate, but hear things from my brother. Um, and he was telling us what was happening and that he was passing, but that he was a powerful spirit and that he came down to this world to work miracles and to do a lot of things and in the unseen and to be able to do that he needed the fuel of a physical body here on earth in this reality but he couldn't use the distraction of a well life he knew he had big work to do here and so he said that's why he signed up to come down here and be in such a disabled body and have such an unorthodox life and existence because he was doing a lot, a lot, a lot of work in the unseen. He was this champion, this healer, this evil slayer out in the unseen world, but he needed the anchor of and the fuel of his physical body. Um, so obviously that, that was a lot for me to process, even just that alone there at the beginning, getting to receive messages from our brother, our, our Ayan. And when he passed, I was invited to, um, more than attend, but attend a Uipi ceremony with this Lakota medicine man and his medicine circle. He performed a Uipi ceremony for me and for my family, which is a intense, powerful healing ceremony where the medicine man or woman basically puts their life up on offer to the spirits and asks them to heal the person or the people that are being healed. And the spirits can either choose to take the medicine person's life or not during the ceremony. Um, it was a ceremony that this medicine man performed quite a bit. Um, and it was so life-changing. It kind of blew my mind. So granted, I was in the largest grief of my life. I was in shock. Um, not only did my brother die, but all of our grandparents died right in the same little chunk of time. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. Gone, 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 gone. So my family was rattled, very, very rattled. My parents were extremely rattled. And he performed the ceremony for us, and the ceremony was done in pitch black darkness. And you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. I mean, pitch black darkness. And there's this circle, and we're all sitting around the circle. And the medicine man is inside the circle and he gets intricately tied up, his hands behind his back, his feet bound, uh, blindfolded. I think actually he had like a bag over his head that was tied to him. Like there was no way for him to get out of his binds. And he was laid down in the middle and then the circle was set up with stones and feathers and medicine pouches and rattles and all sorts of things. And we all were sitting around the outside in the darkness. And for anyone to have been able to move around in that space, um, absolutely would have kicked things over. They would have had to be groping with their hands. Like it was just so obvious that human intervention was not happening in that ceremony. And before the ceremony, he explained that there's a bit of a performance aspect to Uwipi, um, that the spirits like to perform for you a little bit um, because we're human and we're skeptics and we have doubt, which 
is good and is natural because it, it's good to be discerning. It's good to not just take everything at face value, but that can get in the way sometimes. If we don't believe the, fe- the healing has happened, if we don't believe it's real, we get less out of it. And so he says the spirits are going to come in. He said it's almost like we're a spaceship. <laughs> the circle's a spaceship, and we're going to step up a notch, basically, and the spirits are, are going to step down a notch, and we're going to meet in the middle space. And so he said there will be spirits physically in the room with you. Don't be surprised, but they're here. So I had a, you know, a very open mind. And of course I was, I was hungry for my brother's presence, right? I wanted so badly for him to be there, but I had no sight, no spirit sight. I, I was so new to all of this and I was worried I wouldn't experience anything. But during the ceremony, it was astounding. We were in a dance room actually in my old dance studio and we blacked out all the lights, all the mirrors, everything, everything. But we were on the sprung floor which is basically just a floor that's lifted up on some like foam cushions. It gives just a tiny bit more give and bounce um, for dancers that we're not just like slamming our joints down like hard rock ground. So you can feel the vibrations in the floor. And they were singing during the whole ceremony, singing and drumming. And what happened first was First, the rattles started to go. So there were rattles strewn about the space. And you'd hear a rattle start going along with the beat of the music over in one corner of the room. And then suddenly you'd be hearing a rattle like up at the ceiling going again. And then suddenly there'd be a rattle thumping on the ground right next to you. Or then suddenly a rattle right in front of your face, shaking, 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 right in front of your face. Like the rattles were moving around the space in a way that they would not be able to do in our physical reality. Like they were kind of jumping through space and being shaken around. And then the stomping started. There were feet. We could feel and hear feet stomping, stomping, stomping around the space. And there was one set of feet in particular that were so loud and so giant, like, I don't care how hard you stomp. It was not going to sound the way these feet sounded. It, it was a giant. (laughs) It had to have been this like giant figure, right? Pounding, just stomping along with this, with the music. But we felt that there was a really, really big being there in the space. And this being came around a couple of times and I suddenly felt like wind in my face. And I realized that there were um, feather fans and just medicine feathers, medicine tools often used in healing. Um, and they, it was being waved in my face, waved all over my body, all down my central channel. I was getting a healing. And then soon the feathers were actually brushing against my body, sweeping down my arms, sweeping down my torso, down my face, which was something I had seen before. You can use the feathers to almost sort of sweep the energy off of someone. And so I was feeling the actual feathers. I was being actually touched by these feathers multiple times. They came around multiple times. And after the ceremony, the medicine man was sitting there in the center and he had been untied and unbound. Like (laughs) it was incredible. It was mind blowing. And then sitting and getting to hear other people share their experiences from the ceremony, there were very um, experienced people there. And they said that they could see some of the spirits who were there. And they told us that those big feet, um, were the feet of my brother 
that his spirit was there and his spirit was huge, huge, huge. And often I know, I know in shamanic teachings, um, we're taught that in journey space, if you grow very large or you see a very, very large being, um, it's an indicator of having like a lot of spiritual power or there's a moment of big spiritual or energetic growth. And they said he was huge <laughs> and that he had been the one who fanned us all off and gave us healings. And even in sharing with my family, none of them had been touched by the feathers the way I was touched by the feathers. And so I knew that it was my brother giving me a little bit of extra love and extra attention. And I walked away from that ceremony very, 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 very changed. I could no longer deny or doubt the presence of spirit, of other realms, of other beings, of the unseen world, that it's, it's real. And I don't tell you this story to try to convince you. It's okay if you have doubt. You don't have to believe, but this was my experience. And it was so profound. So all of this happened right at the beginning of 2020. My brother died January 14th, 2020. One of my grandmothers had died a couple months prior. And then just like within a few weeks, the other grandparents had passed as well. I had also just finished college and moved to Los Angeles. I was going to be this big actor. I was, I was going to be a movie star. <laughs> I, I had connections in the industry. I had a manager. I had talent. I had drive. Um, but it was difficult. I was a, I was a theatrical actress, a Shakespearean actress, and suddenly I was in Hollywood filming self-tapes for TV, and it felt so unnatural, and I, I, I was facing a lot. My first time stepping out into the world as an adult after my schooling had ended, moving to such a big city, Los Angeles is so huge, and I'm from quite a small town, and feeling doubt about my talent as an actor feeling for the first time like oh gosh maybe I'm not cut out for this or it was more just seeing the reality of my dream this dream I'd had for so long I was going to move to LA be a movie star and then I got there and I saw what it was like the reality of it and I didn't like it <laughs> and that was a truth I tried to hide from myself it made me very uncomfortable because this had been a dream of mine for so, so, so long. And I was convinced that I would never feel happy in the world. I would never feel satisfied. I would always have regret and shame if I didn't make it as an actor. If I wasn't a successful actor, I couldn't think of anything else in the world that I wanted to do that could be nearly as cool or as fulfilling. And so arriving there and realizing that it was hard, it felt unnatural to me, I didn't enjoy it, um, was completely devastating. So all of that, on top of the largest grief of my life, the shock, um, my reality being completely shattered by... Um, this ceremony and and all of the ceremonies that surrounded it, it was more than just Uipi. There, there were more sittings and there was a sweat lodge. And I had just experienced really big spiritual things that I, I couldn't explain away. So my rea reality was shaken. So I was completely rattled. And then the pandemic hit just a few short months after. And my work went virtual. Um, and honestly, it was a gift. My family, we were all grieving. We just wanted to be at home anyway. So it made sense for us that the world was in chaos and that everyone was home. It felt like, yeah, that 
that's what's happening. Um, but I ended up going home for a while, leaving Los Angeles because I was just working from home and my partner is a restaurant worker. So he had lost his job. He was unemployed and my mother wanted us around because they were all here in my hometown grieving together. And I was down in Los Angeles, which is seven hours away. So my partner and I came home and, but there was no room for us. Um, my mother had multiple people staying with her in her house. So I was working virtually at the kitchen table with no privacy. We were sleeping in a tent in the backyard or on the couch or on the floor in the living room or on a pop-out bed in the garage, kind of wherever we could sleep. Um, and I was depressed and grief stricken and all of that just piled up on top of me and my mental health really crashed. Um, I know now that that was a dark night of the soul. I felt horrible. I would wake up in the morning full of dread for my day and I would wait all day until I could fall asleep again. But then at night I'd be racked with insomnia and unable to sleep and just trying to get through any day felt so, so, so challenging. And my partner and I have been together a long time and had been together a long time at that point and we're deeply in love with each other. And we almost broke up. Our relationship was in tatters. It was a really, really, really hard time. And I knew that something had to give. I was sitting there in my dark night of the soul, like, what the hell? <laughs> I just went through this UEP ceremony. It was supposed to heal me and I'm worse off than ever. I'm worse than ever. How is this healing? And in talking to my sister later, she said, often, often in healing, it's not that you immediately get better. It's often that you kind of get pushed over into the deep end. You've been teetering on the edge of the cliff and your healing is getting shoved over the edge so that you can fall and you can hit rock, rock bottom and you can deal with it and pick yourself back up again and rebuild. It's hard to heal yourself if you're still living in unhealed patterns or circumstances or mindsets. Sometimes you need to get shoved off the edge of the cliff. And, and I was, um, and my, uh, partner and I ended up going back down to Los Angeles after a while and we got to house sit um, in this big, beautiful house for like six months. So for the first time in a long time, we actually got some privacy and some space. And that was when I said, enough is enough. And I need to heal. And I need to explore. I need to explore what else is out there. Because one message we had gotten from my brother was that something that he hoped for from his passing would be that we all came back to spirit, whatever that meant for each of us, however that looked like in whatever ways, whatever modalities and in whatever timing was all good, but that he said, you needed to come back to spirit. You need to come back to your soul. And I hated that at first. I did not want to deal with that because all I, in my experience, all I saw was, Mormonism. And then I had seen some like pagan rituals and that didn't feel like me either. So I had no idea what that even meant. Um, but I started trying. I, I felt bad enough that I said, okay, I'm going to just throw caution to the wind and begin to see what's out there. I started with tarot. I began to flip a tarot card every day. And that was the first time I really began to feel feel spirit talking to me, uh, whatever you want to call it, feeling the mysteries talk to me or my guides or my own intuitive knowing, whatever it is, I began to have experiences with the cards that felt more than random. 
and uh, there was a friend I knew from college. She was older than me, but she had also, she'd left acting and she had become a spiritual channel and coach and she worked in the Akashic Records. And so I went to one of her meetings. She had a, a Zoom call um, and she was working with Shannon at the time. They were running these Akashic calls together. And there was something about Shannon that just really, really drew me to her. I, I just felt it. I don't know. There was something about her. And I was like, I feel like there's more for me to do with this person. And in the background, I had been reading and watching YouTube videos and about things like the occult and the Akashic records and channeling and guides and dimensions and all these things. And whenever I heard a word or a term that I didn't know or didn't understand, I would write it down. And then later I would go research that thing and it would bring me down new pathways and new pathways. So I was doing a lot of research on my own and I saw that Shannon was running um, her big healing mentorships. Um, there, She doesn't offer the same thing typically anymore. Her business, her style has changed a lot, but she was running these nine-month-long healing containers um, where she was channeling the records and performing what she now calls earth akashic healing at the time she referred to it as quantum healing which is a term um, a lot of healers use healing in the quantum realm um, if you've been hanging out on this podcast for a while i'm sure you know what i'm talking about but i felt that that was for me and it was the most money I had ever spent on myself. And it was so scary to sign up for something like that. I felt completely terrified. I felt like I was going to get judged for all my woo-woo nonsense. Um, my partner wasn't really comfortable with it, but he wanted me to just gain any help and healing I could. But it felt very private and vulnerable and personal and scary for me to step into this healing container. But there was just something in it that in me that felt like this was it. And so then I continually had my mind blown and my reality shattered over and over and over and over again in these sessions. The things she was telling me were so beyond what I ever thought for myself, so beyond anything I knew. And it shifted a lot in me, um, a lot in my consciousness, in my body, in my understanding of myself. I began to channel on my own randomly out of the blue, um, which was scary at first and strange, but also exciting and exhilarating. Um, and after, after a few months into this container, I um, felt called back into this Native American medicine circle. So this was not the Lakota medicine circle. This was the Hopi heritage circle that my um, my father had been very involved with and that my sister was extremely involved with. Um, I felt called back in and called back home. And I do just want to pause here for a moment and acknowledge that I am a white person. I'm a white woman. And I actually got to experience Native American medicine and ceremony and spirit. And that's not something that's typical um, for a lot of white people and for good reason. Um, there are a lot of tribes and circles and just 
Native people who don't believe that the medicine should be offered to white people at all. Um, they feel that it's, it's being stolen from them. And I'm extremely sensitive to that, extremely sensitive to that. But this medicine circle was passed down by a Hopi man um, in his vision quest when he was a young man. His vision, his guides <clears throat> told him that he was supposed to pass medicine down to a white person and train a white person. And he was li living on the reservation at the time, and his tribe didn't like that. Um, they didn't think that that was acceptable. They felt very, very, very uncomfortable with the fact that he wanted to, to train a white person. Um, but he felt his calling and he ended up leaving the reservation and kind of spent his life wandering and picking up different medicines and sitting with different circles and deepening into his own medicine and it wasn't until he was a very old man that he was walking across the bridge to go home one day and he found a young woman on the bridge about to kill herself about to jump and he stopped and sat with her and talked with her for a while. Um, and she kind of had nothing in her life, nothing to go back to. And he felt finally that she was it, that this was the person, that he had finally found her, the person he was supposed to pass his medicine down to. And so she went with him and became his apprentice and learned and he passed his medicine down to her and she then trained another person who then trained another person and that person was um, the medicine leader of this medicine circle so it was it was passed down and there was a channel that got opened up um, for white folks to be able to sit with the medicine and interact with the medicine. Um, and then speaking to that Lakota medicine man who worked with us, he was Lakota, but he, he allowed white people to be in his circle and in his ceremonies. And he got a lot of hate and flack for that, um, very understandably. But his philosophy was, if you come in in a good way and you want to walk the red road, this medicine is dying. <laughs> it's dying out. I mean, white people did that generations ago, destroyed so, so, so much of the native culture and traditions and practices and did so much to destroy it. And he said, and it's suffering and it's dying out. And we don't have um, the same traditions that we used to back in the day. And so he says, if you come in a good way and you have respect for the medicine and you want to rock, walk the red road, then the medicine should continue. And I don't know, I felt very moved by that. Um, so I feel extremely lucky, extremely lucky and honored that I got to have the experiences that I had and that my family had. Um, cause it's not common. It's, it's definitely not common. And I'm not here to say, open it up to white people <laughs> at all, at all, at all, at all. Um, I'm just here to share my experience and I'm incredibly grateful for the experience that I was given. Um, and so I came home and did a, vi a vision quest with this Hopi circle. Um, it was like a year long process. There were, um, you can kind of call them classes, more like sitting in ceremony together, receiving teachings, um, lots of learning, lots of practicing, learning how to work with medicine, create a medicine circle, learning how to engage with the spirit council and the medicine team, learning how to engage with the fire. Um, we did multiple big ceremonies in preparation. It was a really powerful impactful period of my life to get to engage with such 
physical spirituality, such physical earth-based medicine. And so I did a whole, a whole vision quest where I sat out alone. We call it sitting out on the mountain, but we were just out in nature in a medicine circle um, for 24 hours, uh, praying, praying for my vision, singing my medicine songs, sleeping and dreaming. And um, I, I had a number of uh, very interesting experiences that happened out there. One animal encounter in particular was very profound. Um, it was bat. Uh, so I have bat medicine um, and raven medicine in me in a big way. Um, and I felt extremely powerful afterwards. I felt so much more embodied, like just comfortable and calm and safe in my own body. It, it made me tougher. I was terrified of the dark ever since childhood, so scared of the dark. And I was out in the woods in the darkness um, alone all night and <laughs> survived <laughs> um, and survived the cold and the heat and all of it. And it just made me feel so much more grounded in my being and my power and my body and my spirit and here on earth. Um, and so I did all of that during this uh, healing container I did with Shannon and I continued forward doing other programs with Shannon as well. And she was beginning to show me more shamanic practices and which jived very well with me um, after all of the uh, Native American medicine work I had just done. And then I found my way to embodied spirituality. Um, Sabrina Lynn is a spiritual teacher and facilitator. Her company is called Rewilding for Men and Women. Um, and I felt very, very, very drawn in. They did a free virtual retreat uh, where she led a session every day of physical embodied practices of standing and moving and breathing and using our bodies to engage with the mysteries and the subtle energies that are in our own bodies and around us. And she works a lot with archetype and gods and goddesses and myth and story as a part of it too. And it's feminine spiritual practice. So if you think of masculine spiritual practices, practices, masculine is consciousness, it's nothingness, it's um, meditation, it's sitting in stillness, it's uh, dissolving into nothingness, it's, it's all of those kinds of practices. And feminine spiritual practices are uh, I don't want to say the opposite of that, but almost the opposite. It is movement based. It is sound. It is emotional. It's, it's getting yourself into mm, an altered state of consciousness and freeing up your body enough that your body begins to move and sound and shake and express and breathe and cry and yell and laugh and do all the things that just happen to us naturally when we are alive and we're awake in ourselves. And I kept going um, down that path. I did more programs with her. And then I did two intensive mystery schools with her um, one year and then the next big three month long mystery schools where we were sitting in, I say sitting in practice, but we were engaged in practice for hours and hours every single week. And again, I felt my neurology shifting, my consciousness shifting, my physical body shifting, my life shifting. Like I began to have 
experiences happen to me that I couldn't explain amazing synchronicities or big knowings that I shouldn't know. I, I had things happen like a friend's dog passed away um, without her there suddenly and the dog spirit came and found me in my early waking hours and gave the message to me for their owner and I was able to pass that message along like it, there were just things that kept happening to me without trying that I couldn't explain and I was having those things from childhood come back of the like feeling people's auras feeling energy I got much more sensitive and I I became sensitive to things beyond the physical um, and it really, it was all really happening inside of me. So all of this has been happening in the past few years. And um, a lot of that happened during quarantine and the pandemic and the years after that. And my job stayed virtual. So I was home a lot. Um, so I was quietly doing like big, profound, world-shattering spiritual experiences on my own and then tiptoeing out and watching a basketball game with my boyfriend, <laughs> you know, like it was just something I was keeping um, kind of tucked away and personal and private to myself because I was afraid of judgment. I was afraid that people would think that I was crazy or that I was woo-woo and I didn't know how to talk about it and it was so intimate to me so extremely intimate and it didn't feel like it was something that needed to be shared it was just something for me but i feel like an entirely different person than i felt a few years ago and my experience of life is so different now and i have opened doors in my consciousness and in my energy and i've had knowings land in my body that I can never unknow and doors have opened that I can never close again. And I was naive in my thinking that I could do all of this and only have like the things that I wanted to change, change. And that most of my physical reality, that most of my life wouldn't change. I was, I was rather naive. Um, but most of the shifts had happened just in my personal private life and not as many had happened in my physical life. I'd noticed, of course, like changes in my relationships. Um, that was a big category where I noticed uh, big shifts, but I thought I could just go back to Los Angeles and be an actor again. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, I tried at least, but there wasn't joy in it for me anymore. I didn't have the same relationship that I had to it anymore. And I'd realized that a lot of my desire to be an actor came from a place of fear and from lack um, because there was attention seeking. I got, I was always an awkward, weird child. Um, I was very shy. I, had social anxiety, still have social anxiety. Um, but I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be accepted. And acting was one way that I got all those things. Um, I felt cool. I felt accepted. I felt intelligent and witty and like I was a part of something, a part of a club, right? And I realized that I had also just been afraid of life, afraid of failure, afraid that I wouldn't amount to anything. And my aunt and uncle are both in the industry, both successful actors. And I remember being a child and just kind of being like seeing my auntie in a play on Broadway. And it was so glamorous. And I love a bit of glamour. Don't get me wrong. And I just saw her life. And I said, that is so effing cool. I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to be you. I'm going to be my aunt Mimi. That's what I'll do with my life. I'll just model myself after her. It'll be fine. Why, why wouldn't that work out? Why wouldn't that feel fulfilling? But I had changed so much and I had deepened into my integrity, into my authenticity too much to be able to do that anymore. 
I didn't have the same fear drives that I had. And so I got back to Los Angeles and got back to Hollywood and realized that it was empty for me. It felt completely empty, not where I wanted to be, not what I wanted to do. Um, and so it was a long and slow process, but I began to process the fact that I, I wanted to quit acting. Um, and through all of that and my return to Los Angeles, that was when I did a second mystery school. I was, I also began in on a shamanic apprenticeship with Shannon as well and really began exploring shamanism too, um, which is something I'm still exploring with her, um, today. And it's, it's extremely exciting. So I was continuing to walk down quite intense, um, spiritual paths. And it just became clearer and clearer and clearer to me that acting wasn't it for me anymore. And it was a really long, long, slow grieving process. Um, I remember it was right when I had signed up for the second mystery school and the energy of something so big as that doesn't just start when you start. It starts when you say yes. And there were still months ahead before the mystery school, but I had just signed up, I think the day prior, and I was standing in the middle of my living room and I had a big download drop in like all the way down to my toes, huge download. And the download said, you have to change your entire life. You have to change your life. You have to change where you live, your job, because um, I still I still have a day job. You have to change where you live. You have to change your job. You have to change your career. You have to change uh, like your house, like your house and your city has to change. And even the way you're taking care of your dog <laughs> has to change. But basically it was like the foundation of your life is not a foundation you can build upon. You cannot keep building the way you are. Everything must change. And that rattled me. Um, I was horrifying. <laughs> it was a horrible knowing, not a horrible one, horrifying knowing um, to have land in my body. Um, and that's what really began this process of dissecting myself from this identity of actor that I had. Um, and from this place of lack I was living from. And now, um, that was, I mean, maybe like 10 months ago at this point, maybe even closer to a year now, actually, that was about a year ago. Um, now I've moved back home. Um, I'm in a beautiful cabin in the woods. I live with a close friend of ours. Um, my landlord is also a close friend of ours. It's his beautiful home, beautiful land. I've fully returned to the land I was raised on because when I went home prior, I was just with my mom and my mom lives in Sacramento, which is about an hour away from the place I was raised. So I haven't lived back on this land since I left um, at 18 years old. Um, my job has changed. Um, the dynamic has changed. I have a different role in my job now, and I definitely know that I'm not going to have this job forever either, but the job dynamic has changed. My city has changed. My home has changed. Um, even my dog, she's so much happier here, so much well-behaved, and there was a new, my dog has a lot of trauma. Um, we have a lot of dog fight trauma. I've been actually bitten by dogs um, pretty badly a number of times. Um, and there's this new dog trainer who's suddenly in the area. And um, my uh, future mother-in-law just offered to pay for doggy training classes. So that just fell into place too. And I've decided to quit acting and leave acting. So my career has changed in a big way. And 
Actually, the reason I'm here with you, and if you're still here, God bless you. I've been talking for so long. Thank you so much for listening to me. Um, but I'm here introducing myself because I am entering into a business relationship with Shannon. Before, I was simply working as like a personal assistant to Shannon, which is why I was in the podcasts assisting and supporting, just kind of helping her with her business. Um, but she approached me a couple months ago now and asked me if I would like to start running retreats with her, which was a vision I had received for myself um, prior. I had received that my new purpose was to create community and to create healing within community and to get into spaces with people and um, facilitate the kind of mystical, uh, spiritual experiences that I've experienced in my life to help other people create relationships um, with the mysteries, with the unseen realms in the ways that I have, because it's, it's changed my life so much. I thought it was only going to change me in an, internally and I'd get to live the same life, but I'm living this totally different life now. Um, so that's actually the exciting announcement is we are running our first retreat. It's happening on the weekend of October 14th. We're going to be doing the retreat with the Libra eclipse that's happening on the 14th on that day. Um, it's all kind of falling into place. We're going to do another podcast um, coming up where we will really dive into our vision for the retreat um, what we're seeing, what we're feeling, why we're doing it, and all of that. But I just wanted to come on here and introduce myself and tell my story and tell you the things I've been through and also the different modalities and wisdoms that I am pulling from um, that are coalescing into, into this offering. Um, it feels crazy. I never thought that this would be my life. I never saw this for myself being um, a healer or a mystical facilitator or running retreats or any of that. But here I am and it's incredibly exciting and it feels incredibly fulfilling and energizing. And I just, I can't wait to see where all of this goes. So I just wanted to say if you are in your dark night of the soul or if you're early on in your spiritual healing and exploration process, just like keep going, like keep going. It, it keeps getting better. It's not going to feel like it's getting better all the time because healing isn't linear. Um, it weaves and dips and bobs and you feel like you run backwards for a while, but then you blast forward again. You know, it's, it's a really very, very humbling process. It's an incredibly humbling process, one that I am absolutely still in and will continue to be in and develop for the rest of my life. But this is lifelong work, but it's not work towards any goal. It's just it's just deepening into oneself, one's truth, one's soul, what feels true for you. It's finding integrity and finding authenticity. It's learning how to be yourself in the world, in the wonderful, mystical, strange, unique, magical way that you are. It's, it's, it's a never-ending process. That used to feel like a death sentence to me when I would hear people um, who are further along on their journey say, you know, there's no finish line. There's no finish line. And I would be like, what do you mean there's no finish line? I'm just trying to feel better. Like I went into all of this because I was like, I'm just trying to save myself. I'm just trying to help myself feel better. And I've reached a point where now I feel that I want to help others. And that's the natural progression. 
and it's so loving. It's such a loving process. So keep going and stay open to what's there and follow your curiosities. And if you would like to sit with Shannon and I for a few days and a few other um, women and sit in healing and community together and explore the unseen realms and other states of consciousness and journey and laugh and heal and cry and release with us under the gorgeous eclipse, then um, please, please do. It's already kind of filling up quickly and we have limited spots. So we'll put the link in the description, but you can check it out on Shannon's website. And again, tune back in uh, next week. We're going to be having another conversation, Shannon and I, on the retreat itself. But I really, 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 really want to thank you so much for sitting here with me, spending so much time here with me to just listen to my story makes me feel a little bit emotional. Um, It's my first time kind of telling it, which I mentioned. And truly, I, I feel the gift of your consciousness, of your presence that you just gave to me. Um, I feel you and I want to thank you so much for listening and for being here with me. And I'm sure you'll hear plenty more from me um, as we go along. Okay, I think that's everything. I love you so much.